So we are talking about God being with us. And, and here, here's kind of one of the ideas of this. I, I don't want you to just think that God with... My favorite Christmas song is, is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Okay? It's a beautiful song. It's a great song. And Emmanuel means God with us. Okay? God with us. But a lot of times when we think about that, we think of the little baby Jesus. We think of, yes, God, and we might not say this, these words, but we think God was with us. And Christmas time is the season, Advent is the season when we remember that God was with us. Or sometimes we think about the cross and we think about, look how beautiful it is that God became a human and he would die for us. Isn't it great that God was with us? And so we are talking about that there is more to Emmanuel. There's more to the reality that God is with us than just a little baby that was born 2,000 years ago. So yes, God was with us, but yes, God is with us. And we've talked about that as it relates to our suffering. We've talked about that as it, last week as it relates to community and that we can experience a manifestation or an appearance of God in, in among ourselves as we love and serve each other. And today we're going to talk about that on another angle. And for, and for some of you, for some of you, you might feel that God is distant. You might feel, all Christians, I think, and even if you're not a Christian, you might, you might feel this. Maybe that's what brought you in here today. But all Christians usually, at some point in our life, go through and we begin to feel like God is distant in some way. You, you might describe that in different ways. You might feel, it of I'm just kind of going through the motions. I don't have a lot of passion. I don't have a lot of energy around. I'm, I know I'm just kind of going through the motions. Or you might describe it as feeling dry. You might, man, I'm just kind of spiritually dry right now. I'm just kind of empty. Or, or you might experience it more positively of kind of knowing and longing for more. So and I've talked to some of you even recently that said, man, I just have this feeling that there's more. And what I hoped for in my youth, what I hoped for in college, what I hoped for when I was you know, doing my first Bible studies or dreaming about what life could be like, I feel like I've gotten so far from that after a job and after kids and after marriage and after all these, it just kind of, now I'm just living life, but I, I feel like there is more of what there is to God and, and we can feel distance. You may feel kind of a sense of wanting more, wanting to be deeper and feeling some sort of unrest. And I know some of you have been Christians for a long time, so you, you may feel this. If you just became a Christian, you probably don't feel that. But if, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you, you can start to feel that. Or if you're kind of coming back to church after being out for a while, that might be what brought you back here. It's to say, man, I want more. I feel distant from God. We want faith to be alive. Even as you go into a new year, 2020, and you might be thinking, man, what could happen if in 2020 I kind of was awake or had some more passion or faith was kind of more real and I felt close to God. So how can we feel? How can I feel God's presence, him being alive and, and us feeling awake and, uh, and a, a passion or even a, a maturity, a progress that we experience? How can we experience God being with us, not feeling distant, but actually feeling kind of this emotional or tangible experience of, I'm awake. God's with me. How can we have that? Well, let's start by asking this question, which is why do we feel that God is distant? Why do we feel that? 
Why do we feel God is distant? And listen, this is just a sermon, okay? There's a lot of reasons that we could feel this. There's a lot of different things that can contribute to this. If, if you feel in any way like God is kind of far or distant, there's a lot of things. This isn't the only thing, but I think it's a big thing that oftentimes does happen. Now, a lot of times when we feel this, a lot of times when we feel like God is distant, when we start to kind of just rack our brains or kind of figure out what's next, we oftentimes go to one of two things. We might go to, I need more of something. So maybe you're reading the Bible right now and you feel like, man, I need to read more of the Bible. Or maybe you're involved in church, but man, I need more involved in church. Or it's, it, it kind of, we, our mind moves to, I need to just do more stuff or uh, read more stuff or pray more or, or do more things. And then maybe I'll feel close to God. There might be some truth to that, but that can actually throw us off track. Or we might not think about more, we might think about different or better. So maybe I'm you know, reading these books, but I need to read these books. Maybe I'm listening to these sermons, but I need to listen to these sermons. Maybe I'm kind of doing these sort of spiritual practices and disciplines, but I need to focus on these ones. Maybe I'm at this church, I need to be at a different church. Maybe I've got these friends, I need these friends. Maybe even from a city, maybe even some of you came to Denver thinking, man, I, I, I'm in this city and it's not really working well. And if I want to be close to God, maybe I need to be in a new city, in a new place. And, and all of that stuff kind of usually works for like a a little bit. Just like you get a new job or a new relationship, it's kind of got this new energy at first, and then you go, oh, wait a minute, it's just, I'm still there. And so it's still, still the issues I still have and the, the stuff that I wrestle, it doesn't really change, it doesn't really go away. And a lot of times when we're feeling that God is distant, we, we think, okay, I need something more or I need something different or better. But the truth is that often we feel distant because we're disconnected. Often we feel distant from God because we are disconnected from God. If you're an athlete and, and you're, a, let's say you're a basketball player and you're sitting on the bench, which for some of you, that was probably your experience in high school. Uh, that was my experience a lot of times, which is why I, I don't, that's why, that's the only reason I'm not an athlete these days. And um, it's, it's a joke, but um, not the part about being on the bench. That wasn't a joke. But if you're, if you're sitting on the bench, you might feel, man, I'm disconnected. I feel, I feel distant from the game. I, want, I feel like I want to be a part of this, but I feel distant. I don't feel as a part. Everyone's high-fiving. The team's all, yeah, we won. And you're like, I, yeah, I guess I won. You know? And you feel distant because you're disconnected. Or I'm watching Star Wars with my kids and kind of starting at the beginning with Luke. And Luke is so whiny. If you haven't seen Star Wars in a while, man, that little, he's the whiniest little kid ever, right? And, um, and Luke, but, but, but he's got this, he, he's like a farmer, you know, if you haven't seen Star Wars and this is what, it, you know, he's a farmer and he's kind of, he's there, but he, and he kind of knows there's something more out there though. And he feels like there's something more that I was made for. And it, it, he is, because he's got the middle chlorians or whatever the force stuff in him because of his DNA, because Darth Vader, sorry, is his father and all that, right? I know, I know, I know, I know. Spoiler alert, okay? So, but he knows I'm made for something more. I know I'm made for something beyond this. And see, if you're, you, a lot of times we feel distant from God because we are actually disconnected from the game or from the stuff that we are actually spiritually hardwired and made for. Let me show you what we are spiritually hardwired and made for, that, that we are designed to be a part of, that you might be feeling distant from God because you're actually disconnected from. 
here is what, and this probably for a lot of you is not a new passage of the Bible, but, but here's what it says. This is the end of the book of Matthew. Jesus dies, he resurrects, and he gathers his disciples to himself. And it says the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some were still doubting. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. See, that's what Jesus says. Here's the game that I'm calling you into. Here's the something more that you are actually designed for and made for that you might, listen, you might be feeling an ache of, I feel distant from God. Maybe because you're disconnected from the thing that you were actually made for. Maybe you're Luke Skywalker on a farm when you're supposed to be a Jedi Knight. Maybe you're Michael Jordan on the bench and you're supposed to be sticking out your tongue and dunking. I know Michael Jordan's old. That's the last time I watched basketball, okay? So <laughs> maybe that's who you are. And he is saying, I, I, I designed you for this. And you might feel distant from me because you're actually disconnected from the things that you were made for and designed for. Listen, here's, here's the other, here, this is, it is his grace that you might feel dry it's God's grace that you might feel distant from him. It's God's grace that you might feel like, man, there's something missing. There's something more I want. There's something deeper I want. There's, there, it's God's grace that he lets you feel like that. It's his grace because it's what he uses to draw you to himself. Because if you just felt totally content, you would never go then where he's calling you to be. God allows the discontentment to show you the disconnection. The same way that a feel, like our emotions are hardwired us in, into us by God, if you feel a fear of heights, that is good. Because if you didn't, and you're just like, who cares, and just stepped off, then you would die. And if you, if you feel like people that have their pain receptors busted and, and, and don't work, that's really dangerous. Because you're just like, oh, here's an oven, and you put your hand on it, and you're like, oh, yeah, and then your whole arm's on fire, right? I, mean, I don't know if that's ever happened, but it's, if, if your pain receptors don't work, you don't actually perceive reality correctly. So if you feel a distance, if you feel a disconnection, if you feel a longing, an unrest, a desire for depth, that is God's grace to you to actually get you to connect with him. Listen, if you feel dry, that is God saying, I want to quench your thirst. If, God allow, if your body never felt thirsty, you wouldn't go for water. See, God allows us to feel distant so that it draws us to himself. What, what if what you're feeling right now is actually a gift to you from God? To say, come on, I've got something more for you. I've got something, but what if it's God's gift to draw you for the first time or back to himself? So if you feel dry or you feel far, or you feel like you want more, or if you feel like you want depth or, or however we kind of articulate that, normally, the point I'm trying to make here is normally what we think is I need different or better or even in some ways we could say a focus on me, myself, 
I need, I need to mature. I need you know, to read the Bible more, to pray more. I need to kind of work on me and my relationship with God. And that actually keeps you from the thing that you will actually experience. There's a pastor, author named Daniel M. who has written uh, several books, and he's, uh, most of his books have been written around a massive study that was done by a Christian research company around discipleship or around kind of our, our faith and our practices with Jesus and how we grow and mature. And here's what he says in one of his books. He says, when we live out our core identity as missionaries, people that are joining in the Great Commission, making disciples, when we do that, the Lord matures us. However, if we focus on behaviors directly tied to the maturation of our souls, we may never go beyond ourselves. If you start with the goal of maturity, I need something more, I need something better, I need to go deeper, I need, if you, and if you start with that, then in your quest for Christ-likeness, it's good, you're trying to be more like Jesus, but in that quest, and having been influenced by our educational system, you may inadvertently focus on head knowledge alone. If so, as you grow in your knowledge of theology, doctrine, apologetics, you may also neglect going out and telling others about Christ. I'm not ready. I don't know any non-Christians. My role is to equip others to do the work of ministry are typically the excuses for Christians that are solely focused on maturity. If this is the case, then while you may be growing in head knowledge, true maturity, the thing that you want, the thing that you're actually trying to pursue, is not happening. This is because maturity that does not result in living as a missionary is false Christianity. If you start however, with the goal of living as a missionary, if you start with what Jesus says, going out, you will surely mature because the only way you can actually live on mission in a sustainable manner is to mature. If you start with focus on yourself and your maturity and your relationship with God and your, you feel this distance, you feel this, you feel this lack, you feel this wanting of something and you say, okay, I need to kind of spend more time. I need to go deeper. I need to, what will happen is you won't actually get what you want. I see people stuck in this cycle all the time. Instead, if you step out and say, I'm going to go here, what happens almost automatically is maturity because Listen, if you want more, if, if you want more of God, you have to put yourself in a position where you need more of God. If you want more of God's presence and you want more of God's power and you want more of feeling like he's, wow, he's here, he's working. If you want that, you have to put yourself in a position where you actually need that. You see, if you want to experience more of God, you will experience more of God. You will, let me just say this sentence right. You will experience more of God when you need more of God. When, when we brought children into our life, I felt my need of God so much. Because I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm, because I, now I'm stepping out, investing in these people. So I feel my need of God more. When I am in conversations with people that don't know Jesus, that are skeptical or maybe even hostile, I feel my need of God more. When I'm investing in other people that are hurting, that have issues, that are struggling, I feel my need of God more. When I am by myself in my room, a lot of times I don't feel my need of God that much. When I'm reading a good book that is growing my mind, 
I don't necessarily feel my need of God that much. But when we move out, we'll experience more of God when we need more of him, which is why, look, at the end of this, Jesus says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, that's a, that's a beautiful promise to say, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And, and maybe you have heard that or quoted that even yourself. Be like, man, Jesus says he's, I'm with you always. But that is a promise that he gives specifically tied to investing and living on mission. Why? Because that is where you will experience it. He's saying, I'm over here. And God's everywhere. That's not, I'm not saying that he's only in one location, but he's saying, this is where I'm working. This is what I'm doing. And I will be with you always when you are coming along with me where I'm going. So you will experience his power. This is why in Acts, it says, he, he says to the disciples, don't go anywhere until I fill you with power from the Holy Spirit. So he says, you need the Holy Spirit. You need my power because I'm going to send you out. You need my presence because I'm going to send you. And thus, you will experience God's power. And you will experience his presence when you're in places where you need it. Jesus wants, God wants you to feel alive. He wants you to feel alive. He wants you to feel depth. He wants you to feel connected. He wants you to feel close. God wants that. And he says, come with me. Come be connected to me deeply. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm working. So how do we join then in what God is doing? How do we join God in what he's doing? That, that's the reason that we often feel disconnected is because we're kind of focused on ourselves or our own maturity and we're disconnected from where he is. So how do we actually join him? And, and here's, there's really two things. And one of them is key is that we need to move from activity or just doing stuff. We need to move from activity to identity. And we get that really just from, I mean, I, I could take you all throughout the Bible, but really this one word is, is helpful. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. But and in the actual, so in, in the Greek language here, and I don't speak Greek, but I can read people that do. But in this, it, it actually says, as you are going, which is actually really important. It's actually really important because what he is saying as you are this person, already that I have made you. I've already called you to myself. You're already a disciple. This is what your life is about. Therefore, as you are going, as you are going, living your life, doing your work, raising your kids, shopping, all the different, as you are going, just in the normal flow of your life, here is what it's to be about. This is important because he's not giving us a new or an additional activity. He's not saying, listen, here, here's what you need to think about in your life. Parenting, marriage, work, money, friendships, and, and disciples. He's not saying that. He's saying this is your life, your identity. Therefore, as you are just living life, as you are going, because this is your identity, not a separate activity. As you go, make disciples. Oh, sorry. As you go make disciples. We need to move from activity to identity. Now, here's, here's where this helps us to think about this. It means that mission or making disciples is not an infringement on your normal life. It is to be our life. It's to be the sum total of our life, actually. And that our identity as someone that is now, a, as ourselves, if you're a Christian, a disciple of Jesus 
Now, as, a, as we go, we are doing the same thing that God did to us through other people. Now, here's where this is important. If you don't view it like that, you'll constantly view Christianity or the calls of Jesus on your life to move outward, to make disciples. You'll constantly view that as this extra thing that is taxing on you because it's taking away from your real or your normal life. You'll constantly view it as an extra burden that you kind of have to do getting in the way. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, has a chapter called, Is Christianity Hard or Easy? And he really speaks to this thing. Here's what he says. He says, the terrible thing, the almost impossible thing is to hand over your whole self, not just some Christian activity, but your identity. That's the terrible thing. That's the almost impossible thing. All your wishes, all your desires, and all your precautions, all your fears to Christ. But it's far easier. It's far easier than what we are all trying to do instead. For what we are trying to do is to remain what we call ourselves, to keep personal happiness as our great aim in life, and yet, at the same time, be good. We're all trying to let our mind and heart go their own way, centered on money or pleasure or ambition, and hoping, in spite of this, to behave honestly and chastely and humbly. And that's exactly what Christ warned us you could not do. In the end, you'll either give up trying to be good or else become one of those people who, as they say, live for others, but always in a discontented, grumbling way. If you stay in activity and don't move to identity, then you will either eventually just give up and go, I'm done with this, or you'll be grumbling and complaining, always wondering why the others do not notice it more and always making a martyr of yourself. And once you have become that, you'll be a far greater pest to anyone who has to live with you, C.S. Lewis, than, than you would have been if you had remained, frankly, selfish. The Christian way is different, harder and easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I've not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. I'll give you a new self instead. In fact, I'll give you myself. My own will shall become yours. See, we need to move from activity to identity, from seeing disciple-making or Christian stuff as something we do and it's taxing and it's hard and why aren't other people to this is my life. This is who I am. And then to actually do the thing that Jesus says, which is to make disciples. As we go, to make disciples. And to make disciples is just defined by what he says here, which is to baptize them in or into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. See, to make disciples is to bring people into the family of God. That's the baptizing. To be baptized into the name of Jesus doesn't just mean we say a slogan. doesn't just mean we say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We say that, but that is saying, I'm bringing you into a family. I am baptizing you or immersing you or soaking you, making it totality, your identity, a new name, my name. I'm baptizing you into my name. It's like adoption or marriage where a name is given. I want you to have life in my name. To make disciples is to bring people to a point where they experience life in God's name and then to teach them everything that he commanded, which doesn't just mean sometimes our minds go to 
okay, turn the other cheek or forgive people are kind of these moral commands. It is that, but it's also everything he commanded, which is to love him, to trust him, to enjoy him, that he is who he says he is, to live in community, to live as a part of mission. This would be one of the things included in the things that he commanded. That's what it means to make disciples. And it's funny language. Like, if we want to join God in what he's doing, it's to have identity, not just activity, and it's to make disciples. But that's, we don't say that. Like, if somebody asked you, hey, what were you doing uh, yesterday? And you said, oh, I was making disciples. They would go, you're, okay, we've got a cult leader on our hands. Right? I mean, that's not normal language. You don't say, oh, yeah, busy Friday night, busy making disciples. We, we don't say that. And yet, it's the very thing that Jesus says, this is what I want us to get involved in. This is the thing I want us to join in on. This is where you'll feel connected to me. I want you to use your life to make disciples, to bring people into my family, and to help them know all the things that I've said about life and about God, to live in accordance with me. Now, that, can, that can look like a lot of different things, okay? Let me just break it down quickly. That can mean, if, for those of you that are parents, it can be if you've got kids that are old enough to begin to understand these things, teaching them, not just, not just thinking of kids as, um, you know, I'm kind of making sure they have fun or making sure that they're uh, obeying, but man, I want them to know Jesus. And do you think about your kids through, I'm making, I'm not just parenting, I'm making disciples, and do you think about, you can just start calling your kids. Come on, disciples, let's go, okay? Um, do, you, do you think about that even with your friends in community? That, okay, it's, I, I want to help them follow Jesus. I want to help them know who he is and to use your life as you go for that. And you can think about that as it relates to those that do not know Jesus because this includes a component. Obviously, if there's baptizing, these 11 are standing here and then Jesus is saying, go into all the world and bring people into my family. You have friends that are not Christians. You have family that are not Christians. You have people in your life that aren't Christians. And Jesus says, you know what my heart is for them? I want them to be baptized into my name. I want them to know me. I want them to experience life connected to all that I am. And so as you go to actually make disciples, that doesn't mean you walk up to a coworker that's not a Christian and say, would you like to be my disciple? It doesn't mean you say that, but it means you are thinking about how can I help them be brought into God's family? And as a church, we can do this together. I mean, as you serve in the church, as you give in the church, we are a part of making disciples together. Because that's part of what we do, even as Brad was saying in the video. It's not just one person changing the world, but as a community, we are able to make disciples. All of us should be able to answer this question. Are you making disciples? And I, I don't know the answer for you. I'm just saying we should all be able to answer that because Jesus is saying this is what our life is. So we should all be able to answer that. And we should be able to answer, yeah, and here's who they are. And so I would just encourage you to think about those words from Jesus. And maybe, maybe the reason that you might feel lack or desire for more or disconnected or dry is because God is saying, yeah, you'll experience my power and my presence when you, when you come over here. Maybe the reason you experience burden or grumbling, as C.S. Lewis said, is because you're just doing stuff but not saying, this is my life. Finally, what can help us to join God? Jesus gives us two things because it's not easy. It's not easy to make disciples. 
It's not easy to have hard conversations with people. It's not, sometimes, you know, both as a parent and as a pastor, my mind just goes, God, this is so hard. And if you've stepped in in any way to helping invest in people's lives or to trying to help other people experience who God is in their life or teach them to obey, you feel the difficulty of it. Jesus gives this almost impossible commission. Go into the whole world. We're 11 guys on a mountain. Teach everyone what I said. They just killed you. Like it's, it's, it's this almost impossible thing. And that's why he gives us two key promises that we need. And the first is this. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All, Jesus is saying, look, I've got all power. I've got all power. I've got all authority. I, I have got all the power, which means this. He is able to actually make things happen. It means, it means when you fear yeah, but what if this, or I don't know, or this isn't going to work out, or what will they think, or what? When we feel fear, he says, I have got all the power in the world, and I'm sending you. We need to remember his power, because a lot of times we focus on our abilities and then get scared. I don't know what to say, and who am I to say anything? And Jesus says, you're nobody, but I'm somebody, and I've got all authority, and I'm telling you to go. And the second one he gives us is his presence, which we already looked at, but just seeing it in this kind of sandwich. He says, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Remember, I'm with, see, like we're talking about God being with us. And it's not just baby Jesus. Jesus is saying this, I am with you, not just in a manger. I'm with you on mission. I'm with you here today. I am with you always to the end of the age. That's now. I'm not saying this is the end of the age, like, hey, you know, the world's over. But I'm saying it, Jesus wasn't just telling them this. He's saying, I am with you always forever until I return. I am with you always to the end of the age. See, if you know that Jesus is present with you, you can do anything. You can face anything. You can have a deep, like when you go into a hard conversation, when you have a friend that, you know, maybe isn't sure about your faith and, and, and you're even with your kids and, and you're just like, man, how do I, like, if you know that God is with you, you can do anything. I mean, sometimes, you know, I remember as a kid, if, if I knew my mom was going to be with me, I could do anything. If I knew that she would, I remember one time I bought a comic book and it was on sale, but the guy already rang it up. And he was like, oh, sorry, I already rang it up. Like freaking teenage punk. And, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I got, you know, I told my mom, yeah, it was on sale, but he said he already rang it up. And my mom was like, oh, no, that's not going to happen, you know? <laughs> and so my mom's Puerto Rican, so she was like, this is over. So she walked in and, you know, I don't, it, it kind of, I got my 45 cents back, okay? <laughs> and no one ever found that guy again. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, man, if I, if I've, if I've got someone better, if I've got someone more powerful, if I've got someone better than me, I can do anything. See, Jesus is giving this impossible thing, and he's saying, I've got all authority, and I'm sending you. But listen, I'm not just sending you from my chair. I'm with you. I'm, God is with us still. What that means is as you go into the situations where you're like, this is hard, or okay, I'm going to have this conversation, or I'm going to make disciples now, stop, pray. Say, Jesus, help me to remember. Look, I mean, he says, remember it. I love that he puts that word in front of it because it's just saying, you need to remember this because if not, you'll forget it. 
and you'll operate out of fear, you'll operate out of your ability, your own insecurity, your own, their, you'll look at them or yourself instead of him. He says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. See, we all want to feel this. We all want to feel God's power. We all want to feel God's presence. We all want to feel close. We all want to feel alive in our faith. We all want to feel deeper. We all want to feel connected to him. We all want to feel close to him. And it doesn't come by just more or different or better or focusing on my maturity. It comes as we step out where he says that you can experience his power and his presence. It comes as we get into what he's involved in. Then we say, ah, he's with me. I need him. And so I, I experience him. We're going to take communion. And when we take communion, we're remembering what Jesus did to bring you into his family. If you're a Christian, that Jesus' body was broken for you, his blood was shed for you, that he came to us and was with us to, to baptize us into his family, to give us all that it means to be reconciled, to be in right relationship with him. Our sins forgiven and his righteousness or his goodness given to us. See, when we remembered this, we go, this is so sweet. I need this. And then we say, and so do others. My identity is as a, someone that has been saved by God. My identity is someone that God is with. Man, I want other people to have that. So even as you come and take communion, taste of his goodness and let it so fill your heart that you want others to taste that also. And then we'll sing a few songs in response to that. You can take an opportunity to give if you have cash, check, or whatever. Or you can give on your phone even now in this time as just you think about what God has done for you. So pray with me and we will sing in response. God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you saved us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us. Not just that you were with us, but that you are with us. Thank you that you're with us as we do the things that you've called us to do, as we become the people that you've called us to become. Thank you that you even, God, I thank you for the dryness or thirst that some of us might feel. We know it's your grace drawing us to you because you also want to draw others to you. So God, let us, even as we take communion, be filled, be satisfied in your grace and in your goodness. Let this go deeper into our hearts, Jesus. Amen.